After Black Friday and Cyber Monday, it is Giving Tuesday today, and I can't think of someone better to talk about generosity and the power of giving to change people's lives in hospitality than Harsha Lakwa, who is the founder of Cyra Hospitality. Harsha and I had a chance to speak today a little bit about how she's thinking about this and ways that you can work with Cyra Hospitality to support the education and the work they're doing to create more opportunities for people in hospitality. Really excited to share a little bit of our conversation today and encourage you to learn more about Cyra Hospitality by clicking the links in the show notes. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Harsha. Hospitality. 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 Hospitality brings people together. This is Hospitality Daily, the show that helps you stay informed and inspired each day by the most interesting people in hospitality. My name is Josiah McKenzie, and my goal is to help you reconnect with why you work in this industry and get fired up to go out there, delight others, and reach your goals. Let's get started. I have four sisters, and the five of us grew up quite immersed in my father's work with Mother Teresa. And so as a result of watching him work with her, as he used to help her fund and operate orphanages and homes all around the world, particularly in India. But as a result of watching his work, we grew up very much aware of kind of the lack of equality in the world and the differences between what we had as children and what people all over the world and don't have. And so this kind of strong philanthropic gene is very much in in my blood. Do you recall a early interaction you had with Mother Teresa that stands out in your mind? How did that shape you, do you feel? Well, I was little. And so in all honesty, it was more the impact that she had on my father that always amazed me. I was little. I was maybe six or eight. And I remember when she would call she would come into London where we grew up and she would call at the dinner table and my dad would just rush up from the dinner. Now it's mother, she's calling. And then he'd say, okay, well, let's go. And it would be late for us. I'd be like, I don't know what it was, eight, nine o'clock or something at night. We're like, where are we going? And he's like, mother's in town. We have to go meet her. And so I didn't know who she was at that time. I just saw the crazy impact she had on the world whenever we would see her in different places all over the world, but also on him. And I also saw this woman who was so petite. You know, she's very petite frame. And I think what always stuck with me now that I think back is how she did so much for the world and for strangers that she'd never met and how she'd pick up children and hug them and not be scared or worried about disease or anything like that. But also how she didn't take it too seriously. And so every time she saw my dad, she would make a joke, like a funny, inappropriate joke, <laughs> where it would be something about him being the only brown man in the sea of, of white people and just kind of things that you wouldn't imagine Mother Teresa to say. And she would laugh at him and with him. And they had a really close relationship. I know that he used to, we were born Hindu and, and brought up Hindu, but also my father's very respectful and my mother of all religions and because there was a church downstairs in London my parents would send us to Christian summer school for no real reason just because it was convenient and so my father would also go into church and be able to pray next to her and I think that 
just hearing those stories and potentially seeing him now and then do that, I think has an impact that's, or an image, I would say, that's kind of stuck in my mind. But more than anything, I just saw the impact that this very petite woman could have, one person who could have on the world. And at the same time, almost, yes, she took it seriously. Yes, of course, she was passionate. That was her calling. But not so seriously that you can't still enjoy a joke here and there. And despite all the the sadness and grief and horrific situations that she'd see, there's still a lightness, right? And there's still a fun and there's still an energy of youthfulness in her, regardless of her age or how she was feeling or how exhausted she might have been. And the idea and watching her, you know, we'd always be told to like, take the blankets from the airplanes and give them away take this and take that. <laughs> so whether or not that encouraged an attitude of stealing, I don't know. But I do know that there were many things that we learned from just watching my father mostly interact with her. The way that you've described your journey feels formed by these early childhood experiences, these family experiences. Can you tell me a little bit more about your father's and your family's work? Yeah, I will. My father... So when she passed, he'd been working with her and, and in the kind of triadsville world for maybe 76. I guess when he was around 50s, maybe, or, or late 40s, it's been, a, it's been a few decades. And if he ever heard this, which he won't, he'll be mad that I don't know exactly the dates. But he's been doing this for a while. But So his attitude, which I think like a lot of philanthropists, is make the money and then give it away and never should they overlap and never should they be reliant on each other necessarily right so he's he spent a lot of his time working in Nigeria and India making the money that he made and then actually has two offices so one on one floor and one on the other in Bombay where he now lives and one is entirely dedicated to his charities and so he focuses on primary healthcare. So he, for him, he's so in awe of nature. And for him, the idea of anyone not being able to see really speaks to him. So he focuses on sight and through that, a sight, primary healthcare, and clean water. So the basic needs people need to see, they need to be able to drink clean water, they need to be, have basic healthcare. And that's what he's kind of spent his last few decades on, which are, you know, you can't really question that. And so through sight, he has these cataracts Kind of hospitals where it's a re- and that's how I started thinking about charity in terms of revenue models and for him it's in I think it's about thirty percent of people end up paying for their cataract operations and seventy percent are free and so it can self-sustain itself once you put up the initial capital for the hospitals and they can self-sustain themselves and millions he's impacted millions and millions of people and being able to restore the gift of sight you can't really. I don't think ask for anything too much more than that. And, but yet I didn't agree with him in many things, I would say, but I didn't agree with the idea that you have to make money and give it away. I guess I come from a very different school of thought where you just don't know, maybe we're not as privileged as people were pre-terrorism, pre-war, pre-everything that we're going through right now. And so I could never be okay with the fact that what if I died working for six senses and never did anything with my life other than 
try and make money and work for a beautiful brand. Okay, but what was I doing for the world? So I had to quite quickly think, how can I marry these two and love, you know, like a love of hospitality and then love of everything that Six Sense has taught me, but also um, a need more than a love, but a need and a sense of just what's right and wrong and to, to make an impact on people's lives. So that's what he does. And that's how I took what I learned from him, but also what I learned from hospitality and also what my core belief being, we just don't know how long we have. So it's important to do what you want to do as soon as you can possibly do it and find a way to do it now versus hope that you make it to a certain age and then be able to impact people. It, that doesn't work for me personally. That's a great point. And for some people, maybe that other way works, but I'm very interested in what does it look like to be generous as we go and whatever we're doing. And that might be giving financial, it might be giving time, it might be yeah. creating opportunity or giving access. There's so many ways you can be generous, right? Right, right. It doesn't, you don't have to be Mother Teresa and dedicate your whole life to it. And I think that I hope that we've proven through Sire that we are a nonprofit in the US and a CIC in the UK. But I think also challenging the norms of nonprofits and the idea that we're a nonprofit and so we don't pay well and we're a nonprofit, so we only rely on donations and we don't know how long we're going to be around for. And all of these kind of stigmas that nonprofits have and, and competitiveness too. There's a, they're fighting for the same funds and the same grants. And so I think thinking outside of the box and saying just because we're a nonprofit doesn't mean we have to rely on grants or be competitive with other nonprofits or or be anything lower quality, you know. So it doesn't mean that our teachers are just people we find and hope they can teach a class. No, these are like hospitality professionals who can tell incredible stories, who feel incredibly drawn to the industry that we serve and who we're lucky to have found at a time when they feel called by what we do. And we're able to then train them and, and have them bestow that same sense of excitement and honor and, and pride to our students that they have in themselves. But nonprofits typically don't think like this. So it's been an interesting journey of challenging a lot of norms that we take as granted. I would love to hear from you, Harsha. What are the type of organizations that you'd love to partner with? You're always forming these partnerships mm -hmm. and working with different hotels. I don't know if manifesting works or not, but it I think you communicate. If it, you communicate what you would like to see happen, yeah. maybe there's some people listening that will say, "Hey, that might be me." So, who would you like to partner with in you know the year and years ahead? Interesting. Yeah, I look at manifestation. I would hope there are two different avenues. I would love to see, you know, actually three. Now that we're really dreaming big, so one is. I want Sire to start to be put into management contracts. So we're talking with a great brand and I, this is where it comes from. And hopefully we'll be in their management contracts as they open and launch their brand in the next five locations. And it's everywhere from Dublin to Bhutan to Kenya. It's a luxury brand, but a brand that I believe really believes in the sense of place. They believe in, in entering mindfully. They believe in along what we believe in terms of giving before you take from different locations. So I would love that that to be a no-brainer for, for hotels as they develop and expand. I would love, we're branching out. So we were lucky to partner with Muse on, from the tech world. And it's an amazing company, an amazing partnership. And they funded the entire of our school 
this year actually and we've agreed to partner on another four schools but i think hospitality tech companies are also as we are realizing the benefit of this kind of partnership and for them i think they're realizing this is a great way to give back to their customers as hotels it's a great way to network with other tech companies it's a great way to have access to the different hospitality partners that we have so we have tech companies now that we're speaking to are interested to come on as partners to help us fund the schools and also to say to their customers, we know you struggle with finding great talent. So we've donated on your behalf to to Syrah. And as a result, you'll have access to X number of graduates that will hopefully help to solve some of the issues that hotels have. And the other thing that I would love to see happen is, is entirely different. It's the social credit card. I don't know if I've ever spoken to you about that. I would love to learn more and, and for our listeners to learn more because I heard a little bit about this concept and it found it fascinating. Yeah, it's it's interesting and it doesn't have to be Cyrus social credit card. I think we have a lot going on and I'm more than happy and, and thrilled if it does become Cyrus social credit card that happens all over the world. But I, I started to think a couple of years ago how difficult it is as a guest to be able to give back easily and impactfully. And so I would travel myself to places and be like, I don't how to give back and I'd like to do something for this community they seem like a great culture I'm sure there's need I just don't see the need it's not easy so what we would typically do is for a hotel who would be interested in and for a hotel that would be interested in offering this for their guests is this menu that would be placed in strategic places around the hotel by the poolside by the bedside wherever you would normally come across room service menu or something like that and so it would this menu, which we have a picture on our website under the CSR menu, I think it was called, is just divided into time and funds, resources. And guests would be able to choose how much they wanted to donate in terms of time or funds or both. So is it two hours, two days, two weeks? Is it $20, $200, $2,000? And what we would do as Syrah is identify with the local community around that hotel, what are the main needs, the real needs, not the football field that people think the hotels want, that's the local want, the real needs. So do they need water? Do they need transport? Do they need English classes? Do Are there a group of women who want to learn about entrepreneurship? So what are the different ways that guests can give back? And as a result, you know, based on what you're donating, how much time, how much money, the hotel then rewards you to say thank you for having this impact on our community and whether it's points that you get as a as a customer of the hotel or whether it is a wine tasting or a spa experience or whatever it may be it's just a way to say thank you for not only staying with us but also having a very positive impact on this community that we live in right that these are our neighbors and you're not just coming staying in our hotel we're making money you're enjoying yourselves but you're going outside of the walls and you're really immersing yourself, however that looks for you. Because I also hate the idea of going on holiday and being like, oh, I have to go drive five hours to the school and take pictures and come back. And that's not enjoyable for anyone, nor is it impactful for anyone, really. So I feel like if that were manifesting, if I could see this little credit card everywhere I go, but just the option, because I just think even just having that would allow communities to be so much more excited when hotels are opening as opposed to being like what's coming with that hotel how much traffic how much water are they taking everything that we get scared of with too much development because yeah. 
if people feel drawn to this and they want to reach out or they want to even learn more about where donations would go and we've had some amazing donors say i'd like to do a school here's some money i'd like to love this for this to go specifically to like single mothers and so we're very open in terms of donations and where people want the money to go and so i think that's probably on giving tuesday a a approach and for them to know i believe it's 1600 pounds to fund a student through a six-week program that's a good number 1600 pounds per student which could change their life that's really cool well i'll link in the show notes to this i think for people just listening to the audio go to cyberhospitality.com right in the top right hand corner there's a donate button you can click there get in touch and learn more before we go i want to let you know about a few more things first if you haven't done so already subscribe to this podcast on apple podcasts spotify or your favorite app to stay inspired each day by actionable insights from the most interesting people in hospitality Second, I've started sharing videos and photos from the stories on the show on Instagram and YouTube, so if you'd like to see those or watch along, I encourage you to follow Hospitality Daily there so we can stay in touch. Third, if you'd like to listen to more conversations like the one you just heard, visit this podcast website at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. I've spent a lot of time building out this website because I want to make it really easy for you to listen to the topics and guests that you are interested in whether that's culture and leadership or operations or technology or something else. Browse and search the entire library of more than 400 episodes for some of the top leaders and innovators in hospitality at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com to get ideas for delighting the people around you and reaching your business and career goals. I produce this podcast each day and give it away for free because I want us all to learn and grow together. If you enjoyed today's episode, I just have one favor to ask. Please take a moment to text or email this episode to a friend or colleague who might appreciate it as well. They'll be grateful to hear from you and what we covered in the show can help them as I hope it helped you today. Thanks for listening and I'll see you here tomorrow.